<laughs> you know, the use. Uh, I'm going to say that at least three times in this episode. Um, <laughs> and we have a title. We haven't even spoken for more than a minute and we already have a title for the show. Right. <laughs> Actually, my pitch to you was going to be, let's throw out all the show notes and let's just talk uh, Game of Thrones and Avengers Endgame spoilers. All right. So it would be entirely spoilers <laughs> because I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we're just joking, by the way. Please don't turn our podcast off. <laughs> like, well, got to skip this one. Let me guess. Everybody dies in Game of Thrones. I, I feel like that's like the uh, the stock you know, the stock guess for, especially a Game of Thrones episode. Let me guess, everybody dies. That's the spoiler for the entire, like, seven seasons yeah. of Game of Thrones. Everybody right. dies. Yeah, don't get attached to anybody, they say. <laughs> yeah. No, but no spoilers here. I did, however, see both in-game and, uh, and Game of Thrones over the weekend, and it was incredible. Probably, like, the biggest one-two punch of media in my, uh, my recent memory. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty cool. All right. Well, maybe we can talk a little bit more about TV and stuff like this uh, later. I see we have some of that stuff on the, in the show notes. But first, I want to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Luna Display. Luna Display is the only hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. Finally, you can use your iPad as a super portable second display for your Mac with stunning image quality and virtually zero lag. Luna sets up in seconds and works instantly over your existing Wi-Fi connection or over USB for when you don't have Wi-Fi. Luna also acts as a complete extension to your Mac with full support for external keyboards, Apple Pencil, and touch interaction, literally turning your Mac into a touchable device. Let's Talk iOS listeners can get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display. For this, you got to visit lunadisplay.com and enter promo code TALK at checkout. That's lunadisplay.com, promo code TALK, T-A-L-K, at checkout. Okay, my first question for you is, are you still subscribe to apple news plus my first answer to you cody is Mm -hmm. (laughs) no i am not Uh, i had a reminder actually set up on my phone to cancel apple news um as we were coming up with the 30-day anniversary of the of the three months trial and um and the christian published this article last week uh reminding people that uh that we were coming on the one month at the end of the one month and I canceled the trial even before my reminder kicked in. So now I'm officially out of Apple News. Uh, the most time I spent with Apple News Plus uh, was when I I first uh, subscribed to it or you know uh, signed up for the trial. I played with it for a few hours over a weekend, and I opened Apple News Plus one more time, I think, or maybe a couple more times uh, during that uh, uh, that month's trial, and never really used it. Um, so my first assumption was uh, was correct. This is I still believe this is a great service, um, but unfortunately, it, it is not for me. What about you? Um, I'm same actually. I think I signed up a, about a week after you did, and I've already canceled my subscription. In fact, I I probably did it about a week ago uh, when some of these uh, uh, reminders, online reminders, started popping up. I just well, here's what I, I thought that if I canceled the subscription, it would let me finish out the rest of my month still, you know? So I, um, uh, uh, when I canceled it, I, I really expected to have a little bit more time with it, but that wasn't the case. Obviously, as soon as you cancel within minutes, I wasn't able to access the, uh, the news plus portion. So, um, it is what it is. I, I'm basically in the same boat as you. I used it, you know, uh, not even that much when it, I first got it, 
But I that's that's when I use it the most is when I was kind of bouncing around some different magazines, just trying to understand like what I was getting for my ten bucks a month. There was uh, you know, some magazines piqued my interest, some of the car and auto magazines, uh uh tracking what is it, road and road and track and car and driver and some stuff like that. Uh popular mechanics. I don't know. I'm not gonna think of all the magazines that I checked out, but it was just uh, you know, like you're presented with yes, some beautiful images, some beautiful layouts, but then you see these really long articles. And if you're like me, you're like, I don't, I either don't have time to read that, or I've been staring at screens all day for work. I don't, you know, I just don't feel like doing this. So it just felt like more content to consume when I'm already overwhelmed with Twitter and uh, Instagram and, uh, you know, not even to mention all the shows and other things that you watch throughout the day. So. To me, it would have been a different story if there had been more um, high, highly rated newspapers. Uh, I know we have the LA Times and the Wall Street Journal, um, but I, I've tried to access some of that Wall Street Journal content, and it wasn't super obvious. It wasn't as easy as uh, subscribing to the Wall Street Journal, using the Wall Street Journal app, and, and just browsing the content. It was kind of buried into uh, Apple News+. Plus. I would have liked to see... Um, some other publications, uh, like obviously the, the New York Times. I mean, to me, that, that would have been a game changer, I believe. Uh, but in its state, uh, again, not, not going to work out for me, but I, I, I wish you luck, Apple News Plus. <laughs> it, I, I get the newspaper thing because I think I even saw tutorials on how to access, uh, the, the archives, right? The, the previous versions of the newspaper, how to access them through, News Plus, like, it's just not very intuitive. If I want to read through a whole paper or something like that, it's just not very intuitive for something like that. You should be able to say, hey, I want the, you know, be able to go back and say, I want the March 28th edition of this newspaper, and I want to see all the sections kind of deal. Yeah. All the ones that are available online. It wasn't even close to that. It just kind of handpicked some articles from that newspaper for you. And if you knew what you were doing, you could get down and, and find the ones that they weren't presenting to you up front. So, um, yeah, it's just, I haven't read new, uh, magazines in a long time. Newspapers, especially the articles, you know, I, I run into a lot of newspaper, uh, like paywalls, you know, not even just the ones that give it to you right up front, but ones that say, okay, you're going to get five free articles a month. And I will see that, you're at four out of five articles and I'll go, Oh man, that's kind of a bummer. Um, so yes, they have individual where you can like subscribe for a couple bucks a, a month or whatever, but I'm just saying through Apple news plus, I was hoping that this would help alleviate some of that, make it more seamless. And it just, it never really worked for me. Yeah. I can't imagine getting back into it unless, uh, you know, until Apple wraps it up with other services for one fee a month. You know what I mean? Like yep. if they were to do an all inclusive, 10 or 15 or woo, 20 bucks a month maybe but if they included that with apple music and then maybe some of these other services uh they're about to launch tv apple tv plus and, and stuff like that but otherwise i just i can't see myself going back to news plus and as always we're you know we're not the we're not the end all here we understand i mean here if you had to guess over or under 50 percent are canceling their uh subscription after the free trial over yeah. No. Over 50%? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair guess. That's probably be what I guess too. I just, I don't know how compelling this is for people. But if if you are out there and you love the service and maybe we're missing something and you have some tips or something like that, I mean, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. We say this all the time, but uh, 
Um, I love getting that type of feedback. And if there's value, something valuable in Apple News Plus that I'm missing, I'd love to know about it. Well, speaking of, uh, I think we can address this uh, review I just came across on uh, on iTunes of the podcast today. And that's a review. Uh, the guy who left this review uh, originally left a five-star review. And then he edited the review. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, what he says. Uh, it hurts me to update my review and change it from five stars to one. But every week I listen and every week I get taunted by both Sebastian and Cody. And I have had enough of it. The conversation you have are great. What cures me and bothers my soul is when you both say, let's continue the conversation on Twitter. I have reached out to both of you guys to get zero response. I get it. We have lives and we're busy, but to constantly say reach, reach us on Twitter and not respond was what pushed me over the edge. I will continue to listen and I will try to engage with you both again in the future. Until then, this might be my greatest review ever. Uh, winky face. And mm-hmm. that's uh, sign JGR627. What do you have to say about that, Cody? <laughs> well, I mean, as, as negative as this might sound, the winky face at the end tells me that there's st- it's kind of like in a jabbing, you know, a ribbing, like joking type manner. Um, but in, in terms of just, just I guess, the, the, the core of this comment is that we're unreachable via Twitter. I just... I, you know, I don't feel like that at all. I don't get like uh, hundreds of tweets, you know, like people with uh, tens of thousands or th- those kind of followers. I, uh, so I tend to see most of them when I don't, the only time I think I don't respond to a tweet, uh, if it's obviously if it's inappropriate or if like insulting in any way, which I don't really get many of those. But, uh, if you tag me with multiple people, I'm, I usually don't respond because I figure one of the other people is going to respond. And I, that's probably not the greatest Twitter etiquette ever. But, um, yeah, I just, when you, when you include my name with like multiple other, especially when it's like four or five other names to ask a question, I'm probably not going to be the first one to respond to that question. Um, so, but otherwise, I feel like we do get a lot of tweets from listeners of the show. I do respond. We do have cool conversations. So to me, this doesn't really, uh, mesh right this doesn't really hold water in in my view in terms of how we interact with people on twitter yeah i mostly agree with what you said i have a slightly different technique um so even if it if there's multiple people tagged in a name uh i look if the answer was already given and if it was in this case i don't answer but if it wasn't and if i have a a proper answer i will reply usually just replying to the one person that asked the question and not tagging everybody else um, I guess it's beyond the point. I I answer personally every single question that I see uh, asked to me on uh, on Twitter. Um, sometimes uh, sometimes it's unclear if it is a question or if it is a, a comment. A comment. So sometimes I ask for clarification. If it is clear that it's just a comment and it doesn't need any answer. Uh, in which case I will not, uh, I will not answer or I will not reply saying, Oh, yes, I agree or anything. I will just leave it at that. So I'm kind of surprised. And I know you, I know Cody, you're pretty good at replying to, you're really good actually at replying to, to tweets. Um, and I'm, when I read this, I was like, okay, um, let's look at the history of the LTIOS, uh, Twitter account, which I, admittedly, I never looked at. I had to add it to to uh, Tweetbot on my Mac today because it wasn't on it. Uh, so that's how 
an often uh, 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 rare that I use this. Uh, I check this this account, and I checked, and then there didn't see, there were a few tweets in there and stuff, but never it didn't seem to be any specific question, especially coming from a potential GGR six two seven. Um, and then I looked at my past uh, like uh, reply or at at mentions history. I couldn't see anything, and I so I guess my my conclusion was: Did this guy misspell our Twitter handle somehow? You know, and has been consist- consistently misspelling him. I, I know misspelling my name, my, especially my first name, is very very easy, especially for uh, U.S. or English speaking people. That's very simple to to uh, misspell my name. Uh, yours a little less because it's a little more obvious and there's it's four letters yeah and there's very little room uh, f- four or five anyway um, there's m- less room for error in yours so I I don't know but um, if JGR627 I hope it's not his real name that would be a weird name <laughs> <laughs> if JGR627 uh, is listening I invite him to um, to try again I the the, the, our usernames, our Twitter usernames are in the show notes of every single podcast episode. So you can just copy it and paste it and make sure you have the correct spelling. And um, and if if he indeed sent uh, tweets to the right address and we somehow missed them, uh, I apologize uh, to this person. Uh, I invite him to try again and he will get an answer for sure, even if it's not the answer he wanted to hear or even if it's an answer to say, sorry, I don't have an answer. Um, but I will make sure to to answer as we always do when someone uh, sends a tweet that requires an answer. Right. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, I mean, I, I don't think we do a good enough job like promoting things like uh, leaving leaving reviews for us and things like that. I don't think we mention that near enough because like, we just see this as at least I do just having a conversation with a buddy, you know, like yeah. I like, I, I enjoy these and then we forget, okay, this is a podcast and we need to get some of this stuff out there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, just to kind of wrap that up, I, I always welcome input or even corrections. If I'm wrong about something, you know, we're not, we always say, you know, if something either goes over our head or maybe we're just not clear on something, if we don't correct it on the show, feel free to, to correct us on Twitter. And then we can either talk about it next week or we can at least write it down, make a note of it ourselves. And, and know it going forward and yeah i i i welcome any kind of feedback and enjoy talking about this stuff with people so yeah and uh since we're on the topics of reviews and and ratings and things like this uh, we've done it in the past but it's always uh good to remind you that you can help this show simply by recommending us in your podcast of choice if it is overcast as it is for you and me cody uh, there is like a little star icon when you're uh, listening to a show in the in the media player. Uh, you can tap this icon to recommend or like or whatever it is, uh, the, the podcast. That really, really helps us. And what helps us uh, tremendously as well is uh, if you take the time to go into the iTunes store and look for the Let's Talk iOS podcast and r- rate us there in, in the iTunes store. Uh, and even better, if you can write a review, that's super, super helpful. Assuming you like the show, uh, please do so. If you don't like the show, uh, send us a tweet and uh, tell us uh, what we could do better. And uh, we'll make sure to take uh, your uh, criticism into account for future episodes. Yep, perfect. Uh, so with that, let's jump into uh, one of the news items we have uh uh, written down here to talk about this is the uh, mouse and trackpad support this is the rumor that popped up last week 
Um, it actually came from Max Story's uh, Federico Vatici, and it was on his uh, an episode of his podcast, Connected. And uh, he kind of just casually mentions, uh, I want to go on the record with this because it's a season of rumors. Something that he has heard uh, from a few people a few months ago was that maybe uh, mouse cursors on iPad could be an accessibility feature uh, in the works. So if you just imagine being able to plug a USB-C mouse into the bottom of the iPad Pro and being able to activate that feature uh, via accessibility uh, as part of the uh, as part of the assistive touch uh, feature, then you would have a mouse and you would get a cursor. This is something that has long been uh, like a pain point for users, especially as Apple continues to tout it as a laptop replacement and a productivity device versus a, just a consumption device. This has been a pain point of how do you. You need better input. T- touch is not suited for everything. If you're typing down on the keyboard, you don't want to have to keep reaching up to the screen. Um, and so, yeah, this I don't know how accurate this is or how, how much it'll materialize. You got to think that Vitici does talk to a lot of people within Apple and uh, is a very credible thing. And uh, it gained some weight by uh, being commented on by uh, developer slash hacker Steve Trotton-Smith. Um, so yeah, I just want to kind of hear what you thought about this as a, as a pop possible feature idea. Yeah. It's, it's funny when, when you mentioned the idea of having uh, a macOS laptop with a touch screen, one of the first line of defense, uh, from people is that, oh, that would be, that would be too inconvenient to have to reach for the screen every time you want to interact, uh, with the, with the operating system, uh, that would be too tiring for your arm in the long run. And I more or less agree with that, I guess. Um, but this is exactly the situation a lot of people are encountering, people who are using their iPad as their main, um, quote-unquote, computer for work. And that's what uh, Federico Vitici does, I believe. Uh, his workflow, or his work, really, is uh, done in majority on an iPad. So he has a lot of experience with that, having a keyboard, having the screen further away from his face, and having to reach for the screen for every every interaction he has uh, with the operating system, assuming he can't do it uh, from his keyboard. And I think that's a great example of how uh, iOS could could be improved uh, for these people who we use uh, the iPad not so much as a tablet, but as a desktop computer. Um, I can't imagine... Um, having to reach for the screen every time I wanted to do something on on my uh, on my MacBook Pro, which is my main computer, uh, that would be just too exhausting. You know, having to swipe all the time and and raise my arm to touch and and move things around. And that's why I have my mouse or my trackpad when I'm uh, when I'm on the go. Um, and I, I think this would be a great great feature to have. And and what better way to dabble into this feature uh, than putting it uh, or adding it uh, as an accessibility feature? You know, like you put it under the accessibility hood and you throw it out there and you work on it and maybe you improve it. And maybe at some point uh, in the next uh, few years, when it has reached maturity and Apple is uh, has completely developed this feature and knows exactly how it should work and where it should work and and has developed, uh, has improved the OS for it, then you can maybe promote it uh, to have its own uh, cell into the, the settings application. 
Um, but until then, I think it's a great idea to put it into uh, into the accessibility uh, subsettings of the of the OS. So something you know, something I I don't I don't use my iPad enough to I, I don't use my iPad as a computer really. I use it as a tablet. So it's not something I would use, um, but it's something I can see tons of user uh, using, and that's something that I think would give more uh, credence to to the iPad as a computer replacement when you give it the ability to do more computery things, then you have a stronger uh, computer replacement in the iPad. Right. Yeah, if you think about uh, um, some of the other rumors we've heard for iOS 13 and iPad-specific stuff, they're talking about making some improvements to Safari and maybe even like how it handles desktop uh, uh, view versus mobile view and forcing websites into desktop view. If you, if you know these things start adding up and, and it all comes together... You could have a substantially more capable iPad with iOS 13 and some of these features we're hearing being added uh, versus how it is now, which we've talked about it. Yes, the iPad hardware is getting much better, but outside of maybe some of the multitasking stuff that Apple added a couple years ago, the software has been pretty stale. And uh, um, we've heard about Windows, you know, closable, uh, customizable Windows within the iPad so you can multitask better. So we really are hearing, you know, if if even half of these things materialize, it sounds like Apple's really put a priority on uh, upgrading what the iPad can do software-wise, so that it could continue to tout it as a laptop replacement. Yeah, and 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 some people like to say, oh, I don't want the Mac Macification of iOS or the iOSification of the Mac, but every time you see rumors like this or or people talking about this, like everybody or every every iPad user, I think in this case, every iPad user that uses the iPad as a computer, not just random users like me, uh, is excited about this. And that makes me believe that, and that's a very unpopular opinion, I guess, that makes me believe that iOS, especially uh, the iPad OS, should be more like the Mac. There should be much more we can do. Like the iPad has, be, has been restrained uh, for years now. Uh, as being just a bigger version of the iPad, uh, of the of the iPhone, I mean, uh, without having you know its its very own features, uh, and and it looks like Apple is going out of this way and and bringing more uh, desktop like features to to the iPad. I'm super excited about this. I am super excited about this because in its state, to me, the iPad is not a computer replacement, but by adding all these features. Um, it, it, it again certainly gives it more credibility and uh, more chances to be adopted and seen as a computer replacement. So I'm, I'm all for it once again, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing more of these features. I think we haven't seen. I think I think this is too slow. Like this is not moving fast enough. iPad is ten years old now. It's over. Uh, no, it's not. When was it? Twenty ten. Uh, nine years. Yeah, yeah it's, it's nine years old. It's going to be ten. It's time to really, really accelerate uh, the the rate at which the iPad sees new features. Like this is this is this is taking way too long. And and if you want to be credible when you say it's a computer replacement, you got to get on it. And and these are the features you got to bring to the iPad. Yeah, just something to tack on here uh, uh, at uh, Inside. Um from 9to5Mac, Rambo, the, uh, the developer slash hacker there, said that I can confirm that mouse support is coming to iOS 3- 13 as an accessibility feature. Um, so, I mean, that just adds even more weight to it. 
I'm trying to think back. Is there any evidence of Apple using a, uh, the accessibility area as almost like a beta test type, type bed, like a beta testing area or, I'm trying to, you know, like maybe it's not dark mode, but the yeah. inverted mode smart is in invert. there. Yeah, smart yeah, invert smart. is in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's rumors that we're talking about a full-blown dark mode. I think it's going to be very different. But I think that that gave Apple a chance to work with darker backgrounds and some of its app screens and kind of get a feel for what UI and, and, and things like that should look like. Yes, yes. And I'm wondering if uh, Apple is going to use some of the same APIs for developers. Because, you know, developers can have their apps support small invert like the idb app actually supports small invert like if you if you have the idb app and you have small invert enable on your on your iphone you can have can essentially have the idb app in dark mode uh, so so apps can do this and i'm wondering if this is going to be the i guess the skeleton of what uh, a proper dark mode will be on ios in iOS, probably in ios 13 yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Apple does here. I'm trying to picture uh, just the way a mouse, you know, a cursor would work on the iPad, especially think of the springboard, right? The home screen. Um, just would it be like a square, a highlightable square? And as you move it, the square just jumps from app to app or? No, just make it a, a mouse pointer, pointer like it is on your Mac. Why not just making a mouse, mouse pointer? It's exactly the same thing, except all the icons are square and that's it. Can you add a? Is there really a layer there that something can move freely about the springboard or about the home screen like that? No, that's what iOS 13 will bring, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll put a obviously put a pin in this because uh, if this you know materializes and, and works as we're thinking it might, then uh, yeah, it'll be a big deal. You you know another big deal would be some sort of I mean if you're gonna if you're gonna make uh, uh, mouse support in iOS right 13 click menu. Or right-click, I mean, would be great. I'm not really counting on that quite yet. But some sort of trackpad support for third-party keyboards. Can you imagine having like a third-party keyboard for your uh, for your um, iPad Pro or your iPad? And that keyboard could resemble a MacBook Pro keyboard or a MacBook keyboard. You would have like, the keys and you would have the trackpad. Now, how cool right. would that be if you could? So that that would really make your your iPad even closer uh, to to a MacBook. Um, this this sounds pretty exciting to me. Yeah, and I think trackpad has been kind of mentioned uh, in some of the talk about this feature. So uh, yeah, not not too far out there to not consider it. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Let's. Uh. I want to get caught up and talk about some of the uh, the new apps we've been trying out and, and some of the. Uh, the shows we've been watching, but first, let's take a break and get a word from our sponsor here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luna has been a sponsor of this show for, for several weeks now. And a few people reached out to me on Twitter and email uh, saying that there are other options such as Duet Display that offer the same functionality, the same functionalities uh, as Luna Display at a cheaper price. And what I guess it is correct that you can use something like Duet Display to mirror your Mac on your iPad there are some really, really big differences between Luna and Duet. And it all comes down to performance and image quality. I, uh, a few weeks ago, I reached out to the folks at Luna Display to ask them if it was okay for me to pit Luna against Duet in a podcast episode. And quite frankly, I, I expected them to, to turn me down because brands typically don't like to compare their products to 
uh, those of direct competitors uh, on podcast and in general advertising. But the Luna folks felt so confident into their product that they said, sure, go for it, do it. So now if you are always wondering which of Luna or Duet was best, hear me out because I'll hit on a few key points here. And the first point is that thanks to the little USB dongle that you plug into your Mac, it recognizes Luna Display as a real display, and it treats it as such. That means that you get the same, uh, you, you get this uh, strong and reliable performance every time you use Luna. Uh, Duet, on the other hand, relies on software, and the way it works is by tricking your Mac into thinking that a display is attached. That's really software trick, and those software tricks can cause glitchy and unreliable performance. Not only that, but because it's software-based, it puts Duet software at risk of being unsupported when Apple releases a software update in the future for, for the OS. Uh, the second point is that because your computer recognizes Luna as a true display, Luna is able to take full advantage of your computer's graphic card, which allows for complete GPU acceleration across all applications. And the result is pretty clear. Um, nope, no pun intended. It gives you a super crisp picture and virtually lossless display. Um, Mac computers can't recognize Duet as a true second display. So Duet gets inconsistent graphics acceleration and metal GPU support. And the result, once again, is spotty uh, picture quality and apparent lag. And speaking of lag, and this is my third point, Luna was designed and built from the ground up to be used over Wi-Fi. It runs a proprietary display protocol called Liquid, which was built to provide low latency and high resolution on Wi-Fi networks. I don't want to get too technical on you here, but Liquid's algorithm analyzes Wi-Fi network conditions dozens of times per second to balance image quality and latency. That's all possible thanks to the hardware. Uh, Luna typically sees latency of 16 to 32 milliseconds over Wi-Fi. Now, on the other side, you have Duet that relies on AirPlay to run wirelessly, which typically sees latency of 32 to 64 milliseconds. That doesn't sound like much. You know, we're just talking milliseconds here. Um, but you would be surprised the difference it makes in everyday usage. usage. You know, when you're scrolling with your mouse or where you're uh, typing text and you don't see it immediately on your display, it is quite um, disturbing almost. And my final point is that Luna Display can drive all iPads at full native uh, Retina resolutions for Macs that support Retina mode. And that would be most modern Macs uh, that have Retina Display. However, Duet Display is limited to 1080p, which doesn't necessarily fit the size of the iPad. That sometimes translates into a blurry-looking screen, and especially when you're looking at text. Always to say that, yes, Duet is a cheaper alternative, but as with most things, you get what you pay for. Luna Display takes advantage of a combination of both hardware and software. This gives Luna Display an incredible advantage on other apparently similar products. But don't be fooled. Luna is the only one that your Mac will recognize as a true display. Luna is the only one that can drive all iPads at the full native Retina resolutions. Luna is the only one Luna is the only one, sorry, that can take benefit from your Mac's complete GPU acceleration. And finally, Luna is the only solution that can offer the lowest latency. Now to experience this for yourself and get an exclusive 10% discount on Luna Display, visit lunadisplay.com and enter the promo code TALK at checkout. That's lunadisplay, L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com. Enter promo code TALK, T-A-L-K, at checkout. Our thanks to Luna Display for sponsoring this show.
Awesome. Okay. Well, um, let's take uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the apps we've been trying um, over the last couple of weeks or months, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm looking at this list and I'm seeing a lot of fitness related stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first, I mean, I see you've definitely uh, been looking into new walking apps. So tell us about those: the Footpath and the Steps app. All right. Uh, I'm going to go quick because they are very simple and they don't require you to go into a deep dive in, uh, into what they say. Uh, footpath is pretty interesting, uh, for someone who walks like me or someone who runs. Uh, sometimes, um, my walks, and I would assume like the runs of many people are based on the goal of distance. I want to, I want to walk 5k or I want to run 5k. I want to run 10, uh, five miles, 10 miles, whatever. Uh, but it's not always simple to know what route to take, uh, to get to this goal of yours. And I know, you know, I, I walk about 10 kilometers a day. That's about uh, six miles or something a day. And sometimes I just, I, just don't, I just don't know where to walk to get to my six-mile goal. So Footpath is basically a map app that um, you, you load it up, you open it, and it locates you and it shows you, you know, the map of, uh, of where you are and your surroundings. You can move it to anywhere you want. And with your fingers, you can trace on the screen, you know, on the streets or on the path or whatever uh, that are surrounding you. You can trace uh, some sort of track uh, that or circuit that you that you want to take. And it will immediately calculate the distance. So, you know, you can go around like a few blocks and turn right and go around and go into this path in the park or something. Like the footpath recognizes all these paths and roads and streets. And then once you're done drawing, it will intelligently calculate uh, the distance that you drew. So sometimes if it's a little a little short, you can say, well, I have to add uh, a little something. So you can go back to the drawing board and add a little more to your, to your uh, footpath. Or you can delete uh, some if you have too much. It is so cool. Um, it is so cool, especially when you go to a place you've never been before. You know, I'm walking around my village every day, so I know uh, where I should go to get to get to my goal. But if you go to a new town or a new city, or or maybe you're going on weekend somewhere, and you're looking for a path or a way to to get to your uh, running or walking goal, you can use something like this and quickly know where to walk to reach your goal. So I think it is a really cool application. Uh, a really cool application. It is free. I think there's in-app purchases. I never ran into into them, though. I don't use this app every day, uh, but I never. I don't think I remember seeing any kind of uh, request uh, or need uh, for paying to unlock anything else. Um, so um, give it a try. If Again, if you walk or run, this is a cool app to... to to get to your goal and know where you should, where you can walk or run to get to your goal. Nice. So is this something you'll keep on your phone? You think for the foreseeable future? Oh, I've had it for months on my phone now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's it's in it's in my uh, health folder, and again, I don't use it very often, but I do use it when I go somewhere new, uh, which which is pretty often. <laughs> you know, and every yeah. every every month or so, I'm I'm you know we go on a weekend or we go on a vacation somewhere with my family. So I'm on the road quite a bit, and uh, this app, when we are on the road, helps me uh, find out you know, where I can walk and or where I can walk to easily reach my goal. That's that's the point. Awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a handy one. Mm-hmm. So what's what's Steps app then? Uh, Steps app is a 
pedometer. Oh, I can never pronounce this name. Pedometer <laughs> or pedometer? I think it's I think it's pedometer. Pedometer. Like, almost like it's a A. Almost like it's P A D. Okay, pedometer. So it's a pedometer, like similar to pedometer plus plus, I guess, but much uh, better looking. Uh, many more features. It's one I've used. I used it, I think, over a year ago, and then I switched to Pedometer Plus Plus again, and then I tried another app, and then I recently went back to it um, for its visuals. It's a very great-looking application. Um, you can uh, have historical data showed. I think in Pedometer Plus Plus, you're kind of limited to what you can see, and it's just like a graph bar, a bar chart of, of your steps. So it's not, I mean, it's very visual in the sense that you can see if you reach your goal or not, but it doesn't tell you more information about how you did last week, how you did last month, how you did over the last year. And, um, and Steps app does this. It has a great uh, watch app that you can use uh, to start your workouts or your walks or your runs. Uh, it has a great complication that I use to track uh, how many steps I have on, uh, on the screen of my watch. So all in all, a very, very good looking application, very useful again, if you walk or if you run. Um, that's, I think, to me, a must-have. This one, I believe, is... F I don't remember if it's free or paid. Uh, I know I have a paid version. Uh, so I don't know if I unlock some in-app purchases or something, but I have a paid version to maybe remove ads or add other features. Uh, whatever the price may be, maybe, you know, one, two, five dollars, I don't know what it is, or worth the price to me. Yeah, I'm looking at the screenshots for Apple Watch because I feel like that would be the... Uh where it would be the most handy. And yeah. It looks pretty sharp here. Yeah. Is, so I'm guessing this is the, um, this little widget right here. And when it closed, when that blue circle closes, that lets you know that you've reached your, your goal steps for the day. Yes. So you can, you know, set notifications based on goal. So for me at 10,000 steps, it's going to send me a notification. Congrats. You, you did it. You have also like midday or, uh, half goal, uh, notifications, you know, if you're at 50% of your step goal, it's going to tell you, hey, you know, keep going or something. So it's it's a nice reminder, uh, even though I've been doing this for so many years, I don't need a reminder to tell me to walk, but um, I, uh, I, I do enjoy it anyway. Now, just because I know people are wondering and maybe they haven't heard, because you've talked about multiple uh, step, you know, pedometer apps over the over the years on this show, but what's what's something you get out of this outside of maybe the extra bar charts and things like that, or maybe even what do you gain from that data that you don't get from the health app and in particular the activity app, which does also shows you a, a move ring and shows you a step count. Yeah, like what I get, the, what I'm most interested in with these applications is the watch complication, and that's something you cannot get with the health app or the stock health app. I know there are applications out there that can grab any data from the health application and display it on on the, on, on your Apple Watch. So I know I've tried some of these apps actually um, and I I wasn't too much into it. Um, an, app, an app like Steps app is made specifically for counting steps. And it, it right. syncs, you know, it syncs with the health application. So the data is the same in one place or the other. So that's, you know, it's not about like the quality of the data. It's about the visualization of the data. And to me, it's really hard to visualize anything and get really any clear indication of how many steps I have accomplished in a day uh, on my Apple Watch with the health application. You know, like there is no health app for for the watch. If I want to see how many steps I had today, I have to launch the app. And that's just not... You know, that's not something I, I want to, that's not something I'm interested in. 
Um, so yeah, something like Steps App really brings vi visualization to it, and uh, and uh, and and even uh, a better organization of that information as well. For example, here I see that in April so far I walked. <laughs> 388,494 steps. This is a point of data. So th that's all my steps for April, right? Right. Th that's the point of data that I don't get. you don't get at all in the health application. You're going to see for each day, but you're not going to see an accumulation of the entire month. So I can have this for the month, for the week, for the year, for the day. It tells me I walked 355 kilometers. That's uh, 215 miles, something. Uh, I mean, this is great data at a glance. I, mean, I don't have to calculate anything. I don't have to, uh, to think too much about it. Like all this data is right here for me. And that's, that's why, I, and it's a beautiful app as well in the, in the case of uh, Steps app. So that's why I, that's why I use it. And, uh, that's why I use any pedometer app over the health application for displaying this data to me. Yeah. I'm looking at the activity app on my Apple watch and you're right. For some reason, I always thought. I mean, you're just looking at the three rings, right? And it's for exercise, so how much time you exercise. It's calories burn, right? That's your move ring. And then the other one is just blue for stand. So there's not one in particular for steps. If you want to see steps, you have to launch the actual activity watch app, and then you've got to scroll down yep. quite a bit on the page for it to say total steps. So, yeah, I never thought about that information being buried so deep. So it would absolutely be helpful to have a – uh, complication like this where you can get that info at a at a quick glance and not have to scroll or tap or anything like that. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Well, you do have a, a health or fitness or sports related app in there, right? Yeah, I got a couple here. So the first one I have is it's called InSuns and that's spelled with a lowercase n and then uh, S-U-N-S, like sun, like the you know sun in the sky. But this is, if that sounds like a weird word, it definitely is. It's it's a it's kind of the name of a workout program uh, with weights that was perfected or released or whatever. It's a program from a user on Reddit from the subreddit R Fitness, which I go to quite a bit just to kind of either get some ideas or get a question answered or see what other people have been doing uh, over the last couple months. We the last time we checked in on our health with each other, I, I can't remember if I talked about this because I used to always be mostly a runner. You know, I had a lot of weight I wanted to lose and um, I was able to do that through a lot of running. But towards the end of last year and in the beginning of this year, I started getting like hip flexor and some other problems that from just from running long distances or running a lot over, you know, throughout the week. So I said, what else can I do to uh, get in shape and, and whatnot? And uh, I was recommended weightlifting. And so all I did, you know, I didn't, it's been years since I weightlifted, you know, maybe since college, you know, playing soccer is last time I was really seriously uh, in a weight room doing that kind of stuff. So my gym that I was running at had a, like a, here, have a few free sessions with the trainer and you can get back into it. So I said, okay, cool. I did it. And so for the last three months or so, I've been having a pretty regular weightlifting routine. And this is the one I settled on. It's again, it's called InSuns. It's a variation of, uh, you ever hear just, it's like push and pull. There's some insider baseball here, but it's just like a specific type of workout plan where you do specific workouts every day. And this is, uh, the InSuns I've chosen is a six day program. And this app was just, Somebody said, hey, this program could really use an app to help people track and do the calculations for you. So uh, he made it. 
and it's a very basic. It's not anything special, but if you've been uh, if you've been thinking about getting into weightlifting, or maybe you're already doing it and you're not getting great results, or you'd like to switch it up, I encourage you go into our fitness, read a little bit about Insuns, and then grab this app because it's it's free and it's been invaluable for me. I'm terrible at math, very bad at math. So when there's you know when the program calls for calculation, like hey, do seventy five percent of your max, you know. So if I can lift three hundred pounds. And I got to do 75% of that. I'm going to be sitting there with my fingers <laughs> like going, okay, one, two, three, four. And it's just not going to go well. Um, so this app does all those calculations for you, tells you what weight should be on the bar and what you should be doing. And uh, it kind of keeps track for you too. You know, like you said, okay, I just did that set with this amount of weight and I can check mark it and it's good. I'm done. And it'll tell me at the end of the week, okay, you completed 98% of this program, meaning I either skipped a rep or I forgot to check mark it. Um, so really just kind of, a as basic as it seems, it's very all encompassing for this particular program. And it even has some exercise ideas on there when you're, the, the program calls for you doing what's called accessory workouts, which means you can choose what you want to do. And so if you don't have a bunch of ideas of what to do in that section, you can literally say, okay, I want to work my chest and it has some workout ideas for you. So yeah, if you don't lift weights, it's not at all for you, obviously. But if you're, again, if you're looking at getting into it and maybe things looked intimidating, I, I highly recommend it. I see it has an Apple Watch application. Is it any, is it useful or is it just a display? No, no you have to use the phone. No? Yeah, it's, it's, again, I'm really trying to convey how basic, you know, this isn't a fancy like app with like video animations or anything. This is a very basic uh, app and I think the Apple Watch. All I've seen it do uh, for the Apple Watch application is send me alerts. You can set a timer, so your the the goal is to do a bunch of volume of weight, right? Do a bunch of lifts, but you need to rest in between. Your your body needs time to recuperate, even if short little bursts. So you could set a timer from you know like 15 seconds up to I think like a couple of minutes. But I usually do it for 30 to 45 seconds, and it will let you know. So I will look at my phone. I'll kind of remember the next three or four rep amounts and weight I need to do. And then I'll lift and then it'll say, okay, looks like you nailed this one. Go on to the next one. It'll tell me what my next weight and lift is. So I'll tap it. I'll go, okay. And then I'll do the lift and then it'll say, okay, it looks like you're done with this one. So it's, yes, it's helpful, but don't expect any type of full featured Apple Watch app. It really just kind of sends you a push notification for this. And do you build your workouts or is there like a database of... I don't know anything about weightlifting, so yeah, to, you know, tell, stop me if if I don't know anything. But uh, can you say? Can you do you create? Say I don't know. Um, I don't know. Left, left arm, chest lift at twenty pounds, or do you choose from a database, or do you create your own? How does that work? Yeah, so kind of. You're kind of right. It's uh, what this what Insuns is based on is a bigger program, and there's core lifts. So there's like four or five core lifts. There's the squat, there's the deadlift, there's the bench press, there's the uh, shoulder press, and then I can't think of the last one right now, but these are there's four or five main lifts like that. So those are ones that you're going to do. I'm always going to do bench on Mondays and Fridays. I'm always going to do uh, squats on Tuesdays. Those are ones you for sure have to do. That's built into the program. But after that, there's a, an area called accessory workouts. And so like on Mondays, it'll say, once you've done your core lift, work out your chest and your arms. And so it's got some exercise ideas in there 
where you go, okay, I'll do this one, I'll do this one, I'll do this one, and this will work my chest, and these two will work my arms, and that's what you do. Those are the accessories. So you kind of can customize it, and it does give you the exercises to choose from. Hmm. It's not a huge database. Like I think I mentioned the app Strong uh, a couple episodes back or several episodes back. It's not a big database like that. In fact, I use both kind of hand-in-hand. I'll go into the Strong app. And I will say, okay, I'll grab a couple workouts and then I'll enter them manually into this InSuns app. But uh, yeah, it absolutely lets you pick which workouts you want to do and it lets you save it. And again, it just walks you through it and you can check mark each thing. Like I did it, I did it, I did it. And then if what you're supposed to do is add five pounds to each core lift every week. So you can do that all from within the app. It tells you, okay, now we can do all the calculations for your next lifts and what the weight you're going to lift them at. I know it sounds so complicated. So again, this is just really geared for people that are going to lift weights. But as somebody who, like I said, I, I hadn't been doing it for a long time. I didn't know about all these new programs and stuff. This absolutely helped ease me into it. And it's made, I love, you know, I, I actually really like, uh, enjoy going to the gym and doing this. And it's free. I believe it's free. I haven't been charged for anything yet. So um, my other one. My other app here is called UDisc, and actually, I just had a buddy give me the heads up on this uh, probably a couple weeks ago now. But um, if you play disc golf at all, and uh, yeah, it's just where you throw frisbees into a basket. I feel like it's gaining more popularity. I'm starting to see it on like ESPN and things like that. I started it as just a way to walk, you know, just to get out there, exercise. I like competition. I like sports, so I was like, okay, I want to try to get this disc in the basket. And I, you know, I don't play that much. I don't get a chance to play that much, but I play, I have played quite a bit over the years. And anyways, this app is for courses. So if you've ever gone to a disc golf course, and, or if you don't know if there's any disc golf courses near you, download this app, it'll tell you. And when you get to that course, uh, they're not always the easiest to move around. There could be 18 holes there. And, you know, a lot of places aren't very good with keeping up with, okay, this is hole 18, this is hole 16, uh, go this way or throw this way. This app takes care of all that for you. It's got GPS. It'll tell you which area to throw. It'll tell you where the basket's at. I mean, it really just kind of handles everything. All the courses are free that I'm aware of. I do know that uh, I did see one in this app recently. It's the first time I've ever seen you get charged for a course, but it said $1 donation required. I guess you put a dollar in and you get to go play or whatever. Maybe it's on the honor system. <laughs> but um, for the most part, disc golf courses are free. Discs are very cheap to come by, and you, yeah, it's just kind of a cool little thing I do. I got some buddies that I, we all just kind of got into it together, and we're like, hey, let's uh, let's go do it. It's kind of a fun thing to do on a nice Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning kind of deal. Bring a few beers along and <laughs> yeah. a few roadies. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's, abs- that's absolutely how it goes down. <laughs> and then uh, I, have a, I have a Bluetooth uh, speaker hanging from my backpack and jamming some tunes. Um, it could be a really good time. I'm not very good. I'm not like by any means really good at this, but uh, it's way cheaper than regular golf and way less frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and, and and it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. I did it once, and I I went into it with a lot of uh, of uh, how do you call this? Um, pre skepticism. Yeah, skepticism. I was like, this sounds like the dumbest thing in the world, <laughs> and it is not the brightest thing in the world, but it's it, it's, right. it's pretty fun. Again, like if you. Not an invitation to drink or anything, but you bring a beer or two in the backpack if you are over twenty-one in the United States or eighteen in most of the rest of the world. Um, it's it's just fun, you know, on a sunny day, walk around with a couple of buddies. Um, yeah, it's a it's a fun game. Not something I would do, you know, on a regular basis or something like this, but from time to time, it's fun. Yeah, 
It's uh hey, speaking of speaking of drinking, I hear word around the bend is you're back on the train. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never really stopped, but I stopped drinking during the week for some reason. And last week I was like, yeah, <laughs> for some reason, f this, I'm going back to drinking during the week. Yeah. Um, not every day. Um, I don't think I drank. Uh, yes, I did actually drink yesterday. Um, <laughs> not every day, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Like sometimes, you know, I like to try new things and set uh, mini challenges for myself. And one of his mini challenges was to not drink during weekdays for, I don't know. I don't know how long I did it for, uh, for several months for sure. And, uh, yeah, I'm done with the experiment so I can go back to <laughs> I can go back to drinking every Experiment night. over, he said. He just he popped a beer and just yelled it. Experiment <laughs> over. <laughs> what's fun what's really funny to me is when I first saw that tweet, I read it as it was a an at to me. So I thought you just added me. Um and you said, Hey, just a heads up, I started drinking again. And it came across way more dark that way that you just told me about it. Like Hold on to your hat, Cody, because this thing's going down. And they're like, oh, crap, he's drinking again. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, re- I really did. For some reason, I saw at Melvco in front of that tweet, and I went, wow, that's really <laughs> that's really weird. He's about to get into it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that was more of a joke than anything else. Yeah. You know, like some people, like they have like these lengthy tweets about how uh they've gone too far with drinking and they've come to realize that it's time for them to stop and everything i started like drafting something like this but the opposite you know like kind of someone like hey guys you know i've been doing this for for too long now and and then i was like yeah it's great i'll just make it like super short i'm back to drinking (laughs) day drink uh, uh, weekday drinking yeah, I've been doing some soul searching and I've come to the conclusion that <laughs> after much soul searching and talking with friends and family, I've decided to start drinking again. Yeah. And not to make light of drinking as like a problem. I, I hope that doesn't come across that way. And that's actually why I didn't tweet to you about it uh, when I laughed and I thought, oh, I'm going to send this to him because I didn't want it to come across bad. You know, text, you can never hear like the tone of yeah. somebody's voice yeah. and it could come across wrong. So. I just left it alone. I was like, I'll mention it on the podcast because I did have a laugh. I was like, whoa, he's letting me know that he is drinking. And I, I think this uh, we are due for some sort of uh, disclaimer or something that we do not condemn drinking. Uh, yeah. Drinking is not good for you. You should not drink. And uh, yeah, do, do not drink. It's better not to drink than drinking. Yeah. But drinking can be fun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> side do, note. Hey, do side not, effects are awesome. <laughs> do not do it. But if you do it, you're gonna have fun, my friend. <laughs> no, like everything. Yeah. In uh, in moderation. And that the, when I go. started drinking, well, when I opened a bottle of wine, that's you know, it all came down to we were having dinner or something. I was like, ah, oh, this would be good with a bottle with with some wine. And I went to my thing and I got a bottle. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drink again. I'm going to drink some wine tonight. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drink some wine every night if I want to now. No more like, you know, stopping myself from drinking, which wasn't really hard. It's not like I was a raging alcoholic or anything. It's just that I had wine every day with dinner. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, I said to myself, you know, just a small glass of wine with dinner. Like I'm not going to go like full on like half a bottle of wine by myself or something with dinner. Just Just a little glass of wine to enjoy a good meal. Uh, with a good glass of wine when uh, there is a good pairing going on. You know, if we're going to eat something crappy, I'm not going to go out of my way to drink wine or anything. But if there's some good food and I have the the good wine that goes with it, I'll, I'll just open a bottle of wine. And then I'll have to finish it the next few days. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, the use. The use. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Good. Oh, good I was sitting on it. it for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so those are some apps. Again, I, w- I would like to do this more often. I mean, I, I think I see way more apps than you just because of the apps of the week. Yeah. Um, that I do every week, and um, I don't get to try every single one of those, but for the most part, I try to download them and see what they're about. And um, so yeah, maybe we can check in in a couple weeks or a couple months or something, and, and get some more apps out there because I think this is such a cool segment where people can learn about new apps and they go, oh, okay, let's uh, um, let me try this out. I wasn't aware of this and and whatnot. And as I'm talking and trying to wrap this section up, I realize we forgot one of yours, which is. <laughs> Which is Reader 4. Yeah, Reader, the RSS Reader, probably the most known, the most uh, popular At this point, yes. RSS Reader <laughs> in the App Store. It's also on the Mac, but I use it exclusively on uh, my iPhone and my iPad. Uh, this app is, or the re- Reader 3, the previous version, was seldom updated, you know, updated when there was a big bug and something like this or a new software update uh, a new ios version coming out ios 12 and you know broke some things but it's not an app that saw tons of attention from from its developer Uh, but when i saw reader 4 in the app store last week i was like go for it because that's an app i'm using every single day Um, so i was like there's no reason why i shouldn't download this app paid for it i think it's five bucks no problem use it every day again well worth it to me I set it up and uh, I was a little disappointed, actually. I was uh, more than a little disappointed. It looks great, um, but it looks like the developer rushed to uh, launch this app in the App Store. It came with many less features than it had in in version 3. And uh, from what I've seen uh, in the few days that I've been using this app is that most of the features that didn't make it are some... Uh, features for sorting your feeds, uh, sorting the way they are displayed, you know, like uh, alphabetical order, uh, 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 chronological order, you know, uh, did this item come first or last or whatever. Um, and also for um, customization of, uh, of what you see on the screens, font size and, and things like this. And uh, yeah, I was, you know, kind of disappointed. I was very, very disappointed. Now I still have it on my phone. Uh, Reader version 3 is still perfectly uh, fine. Uh, I do have Reader 3 on my phone. And now I'm mostly waiting for Reader 4 to, to be updated and had these new features, which I, I, can't, I can only imagine the developer will bring in, in the very near future. I'm just unclear why he would take, I think, very important features like sorting and customization out of this first, uh, uh, first draft of the app. So... Uh, I still wanted to put it in there because it's it's one of my all-time favorite apps. It's one of my most used apps every single day on my phone. So I wanted to, you know, like give it like some uh, some visibility, uh, some exposure. And uh, but it's not an app that in this state I can actually recommend downloading. Uh, Reader three is still a better app in at, at this point in time. And again, I'm confident that it will see updates in the very near future. Actually, I'm I'm reloading the App Store like twice a day to see if the, <laughs> the guy like you know added something else in there. But um, hopefully, it's going to be a little more active uh, with updating this app than it was with Reader Three. You know, I think I saw. I don't remember if it was on Twitter or whatnot, but I saw a little comment from the developer that said, basically, said he apologized for how long it's taken him to update the app and that he's completely rebuilt it this time around and it's going to be easier for him to submit updates. 
Um, I don't remember if he said that he built the iOS app on a similar platform as the Mac app, and that's what's going to make it easier. But he did something this time around that's going to make it easier to do updates. And so uh, that should give you some reason for hope there. Yes, thank you. Thank you for giving me this hope. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, always had been a cool app. I want to say I had Reader 2 at one point. Um, RSS has just really gone by the wayside since Google Reader shut down. And uh, uh, But Reader, just Reader, the app you're talking about here has always been kind of the gold standard. Um, if that's if I if I was going to go that route again with RSS uh, uh, feeds to get the news versus how I do it now, which is via Twitter, um, Reader would be at the top of my list probably for for how to get that. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about some of the shows we've been watching. Uh, we don't have to go too into depth on these, but again, I feel like it's nice to uh, you get a little insight, I guess, on what we do on our downtime. But you also maybe hear about a cool show you want to check out mm-hmm. um i see lunatics tops your list well that's the only one i think on this list i haven't heard of oh really maybe you know maybe it's not available in the u.s okay i do see a french french english link here for netflix no because i i that's the you know netflix knows my location so it automatically oh, okay. puts the okay. f4 thing in, in the ur i don't know if you have the ios app andy um and, and can look for it uh, I would assume it is in the U.S. because it's—I I don't know—but it's uh, it's an Australian show <laughs> from <laughs> a guy I had never heard of who might be very famous in Australia. I guess his name is Chris Lilly or Lyle. Yes, I guess Lilly Lilley. And um, Lunatics is uh, a mockumentary. Um, it, they follow several. Uh, characters that are all played by Chris Lilly. So he plays this uh, real estate agent. He plays this lazy, overweight kid. He plays uh, like a seven foot three <laughs> uh, college student uh, woman. I mean, it just plays like some uh, animal psychic. Just like some weird characters, you know, with tons of personality. I'm not really sure I get the lunatics part of the titles because they're not very lunatics in in the in the show. They're just uh, themselves with strong character and personalities, and it is right. absolutely hilarious. Like if you like <laughs> the the crawl show, uh, you will love something like this. Or if you like something like. Um, what was it called? Uh, these two guys. Uh, shit, what are they called? Uh, now one of them makes horror movies. Um, oh, Key and Peele. Yeah, Key and Peele. You know, like they have these like characters that are recurrent. And it's like a sketch comedy, yeah, I think is what they v- call it. This yeah. is just so funny. So funny. So <laughs> if it is available in your region on Netflix, uh, check it out. Super hilarious. I'm I'm trying to look it up actually on Netflix just in my browser and Netflix is da- either down or I'm just for whatever reason I can't load it so hmm. but I will yeah I'll look into that because I do I love sketch comedy honestly there's a yeah. uh, I know that those those can be really funny so if this one's pretty good I'll have to check it out yep um I have heard of the OA are you talking season one or season two season two that just came okay. out on Netflix a I few haven't weeks seen ago. season. Season two yet? Season one was weird, yeah. especially the ending in the school where the there's a terrible tragedy with a gunman and but they all start dancing. I mean, it was mm-hmm. I, oh I probably should have said spoiler alert if you haven't seen season one, but uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyways, just tell me tell me about season two because I was just I didn't know what to think after season one ended. I was like, 
it's a cool concept. It's about kids that pass away and um, they are able to experience the afterlife, but then they can get brought back and there's a guy that's doing experiments on them to try to figure out what goes on in the afterlife. So it's a really cool concept, but it just got so weird. So anyways, season two. Season two uh, gets a little weirder. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I, felt, no. I felt obliged to, to watch because I liked season one. And when the season one ended, I was like, oh, I want to know what happens next. You know, I, I, right. one of these things where I wanted to know. And when I saw that uh, season two was on, I was like, yeah, I, I'll give it a try. And I, and I watched it. And it's one of the shows, like many of Netflix, Netflix's shows, actually, that is not great, but that's good enough to get you going and watch the entire season. As a matter of fact, I watched a lot of episodes back to back. So it's, it's that good, but it's not like an amazing show that's going to be nominated for some sort of awards. That's for sure. Um, right. But tons of mis- mystery. And, and I guess I got into it and uh, wanted to see what was going to happen. And uh, I did see what happened. I'm not going to tell you. Is it? <laughs> he goes, and I did see what happened. <laughs> um, is there? Uh, did they bring back any of the same cast members? Yes, all of From them season are one? back. Okay, yeah, all of them are back. Um, and there's uh, there are also uh, new new characters in the show. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of on my to do list because, like you, uh, just the way the first one ended, I've, I'm like, okay, let's see where they're going with this. Uh, it's just one of those things, again, it was just the first one was so weird, especially like the way it kind of uh, ended that I was just like, oh, I don't know if I <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to take on this new season. But uh, yeah, it's definitely on my to do list there. All right. And then the third one you have, I, this is something I haven't watched, but I, it keeps popping up in my feature. The Dirt. This is the uh, Motley Crue mockumentary, right? With uh, Machine Gun Kelly. And yep, that's is this, it. OK. Yeah, who, who, I and, don't know. Uh, who's how's Machine that been so far? Who's Machine Gun uh, Kelly? He's a he's a rapper from uh, I believe Michigan, like the Detroit area. I don't know, but he's a rapper and like has a bunch of tattoos. Really tall guy. He's usually not a starring character. He was in Bird Box for a brief brief amount of time. Uh, that was a Netflix movie that got pretty popular a couple months ago. He was also in The Nerve. I, I mean, he's okay. He's a rapper and he sometimes acts. That's all you really need to know. And he plays in this movie. Yeah, I think he plays uh, Tommy Lee, the tall, the tall white kid with no tattoos. Oh, until oh he gets this guy's a rapper they, in the in real yeah. life. Wow, they had okay. to. I, I I saw a thing where they spent hours putting makeup over his tattoos because I guess he doesn't have tattoos at the, doesn't have tattoos at the beginning, but ends up getting them. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, great, uh, great show, great movie. It's uh, a two hour movie. Um, I'm not a big Motley Crue fan, but I'm a big sex, drugs, and rock and roll fan. I I like loud guitars. I like rock and roll, and uh, and this movie was super entertaining. It had everything you can imagine about a uh, hard rock band from from the what was it from the 80s? Yeah, they were there in the 80s. They're still right. here, I guess today. Uh, most of them, I believe, are still here today. Um, I, again, not a fan of the music, not very familiar with the music. I know who they are and stuff, but uh, yeah, it's super entertaining to, and from, and from what I gather, like this was produced and written in part by, uh, by the band members. So it's not like one of these, I'm sure a lot of it has been made for TV, you know, and maybe sugarcoated and maybe some, uh, fence, um, some, uh, how do you say this? 
they made it up a little bit, um, but you get the real story from the guys who actually lived lived it, not just some write, some TV writer or movie writer that tries tries to make like a biopic of of some of some rock band. Um, so yeah, v- very fun, very entertaining. If you have a couple of hours to spend, uh, watch this because if you like uh, music and if you like uh, uh, rock and roll and stuff like this, you will be entertained. I get what you're saying there. There's anytime I see a movie and it's based on a true, like you hear that it's based on a true story, it always adds like this extra level yeah. of intrigue, this extra level, and whether you call it credibility or authority. It just adds a lot more weight to the movie for me. So yeah, and crazy. there's and there is none of that in this movie. Like this is you know like there is no crazy. Uh, it's just the story, uh, raw, yeah. very, very, very raw, as you can tell in the movie. Um, and I don't think they they made up any of that stuff. It's just the life as they lived it back <laughs> in the day. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be tougher to come up with stuff that could top what probably went down in real life with Motley Crue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just think there's no reason to make stuff up. They were already living crazy enough as it was. Um, but yeah, that'll be, uh, that's an interesting one. Um, for my first one, this is going along the same theme of based on a true story. This one's called the act and it is on Hulu, I believe. And it is, Oh man, <laughs> This is like a really messed up show, honestly. It's about, it's again, it's based on a true story, and it's about a girl whose mom is so overprotective and such a bad person that she makes this girl think, her daughter think that she's handicapped. So she has her in a wheelchair. She has her being fed through a feeding tube. Whoa. She, yeah, it's dark. <laughs> it's dark. Um, Now I'm going, why'd you pick this one, Cody, to talk about? But I mean, it's it's on Hulu. Like, it's... It's a and again the fact that it's based on a true story is even more mind blowing, right? It even makes it even worse. So, but as the show goes on, it uh, this girl comes to realize that she's not handicapped, and the doctors that are, you know, supposed to be taking care of this girl because the mom brings the little girl to the doctor all the time, and she has this notebook full of what she says are medical records, but she won't let anybody see them. And when they try to look up her actual medical records in the system, they see that all of that stuff has been wiped out by a big hurricane. They lived in Louisiana. This was around the time of Katrina. And uh, so there's no medical documents. So no doctors don't really know what to make of it. And But the little girl, who the mom's been telling, she's like, you're only 13 or only 15, when in actuality she's like 19. And so when the little girl finds out her real age and f- figures out that she can walk, things start to get interesting and, and and crazy. So yeah, I won't give too much away, too many spoilers, but it's just, it's, and it's a bummer. <laughs> I don't even know if I recommend anybody watch it. It's, it's one of those, it's tough for me to watch. I'll like, you know, if you go through episodes of like the office where it's real cringy and you just kind of look away or you just, you don't, you're uncomfortable. So maybe you look at your phone. I spend most of the episodes <laughs> like that on this because it's just, you get uncomfortable. You're like, oh, let's do something for a couple minutes to look away. But for whatever reason, the, the story is just kind of fascinating and it's just, it's terrible, obviously, but it's also makes for a, a crazy story. So that's what the act is about. Yeah. The cover art for the show is just creepy as hell. Just looking oh, at it. Uh, so right? I'm just cruising this tab. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, move on. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, that's one free solo. This is another one I watched on Hulu. This is, uh, I think it's gotten really popular at this point. Uh, Alex. 
I can't think of his last name. Alex Hunold. Hunold, thank you. Uh, a world-renowned rock climber to this point, and uh, he likes to do it without ropes, without safety nets. And so this is a kind of a documentary type thing. It follows his uh, his record-breaking, history-making climb of El Capitan, which we all know is a Mac operating system, <laughs> but it's actually a mountain, and it's huge. It's like this particular area of a mountain that's just huge, and uh, he climbs it without ropes. And it's uh, terrifying and awesome all at the same time, awe-inspiring. I mean, I was watching this while I was uh, – I, I broke it down in like four or five segments, but I was watching it as I was like climbing stairs at the gym, that little stair machine. And I was just – it's very inspiring. It's very – I don't want to say motivating. I'm not going to go climb walls with no ropes. But it's just when people do stuff like this, when they inexplicably – accomplish the unimaginable it's just it's always cool to me so very cool doc. it's well done there's a lot of tension there's a lot of like scary moments where you pause um and uh it's a lot of raw stuff a lot of behind the scenes you know he's he has a girlfriend which you know he has to wrestle with that for a long time like i do something that's super dangerous um I don't know. It's just, it's worth watching for sure. It's about two hours and it's, I, I learned a lot as much as I was also entertained. I always love when a, a documentary or a show can do that, when it could teach you about stuff, enhance your knowledge, but also like kind of entertain you as well. And then my third one is just like a guilty pleasure uh, the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Like, like you said with the OA, this one's not going to win any awards, but it's just a kind of a cool anti superhero type, type uh, show. And uh, I thought the characters were pretty cool and, you know, it's 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 good. If you like, I don't want to say it's like X-Men or anything like that or uh, it's not quite in that realm. It's more anti. So maybe if you like like Watchmen or Kick-Ass or stuff like that, this would be up your alley. Um, just kind of a Deadpool fun. Deadpool kind of thing? Yeah, very similar. Anti-hero heroes? Yeah, there you go. It, it's a group of them, and they build some history, but there's also a lot of action, a lot of fighting scenes with people with special abilities. So, um, yeah, kind of a cool one. I wanted to, when when we were like, let's talk about some of the stuff we've watched, uh, I wanted to pick three just across the spectrum because that's really how my tastes are. You know, it's not like I just watch one specific genre. I will literally uh, check anything out if it's ever been recommended or if anybody's ever said, hey, this looks good and it piques my interest. Good. Well, thanks for the recommendation. I don't have, I want to see, uh, free solo. I guess I should buy it if I really want to see it or rent it out. Uh, cause I, I hear it's really good, but it's not available on, I, you know, I just have Netflix and it's not available on Netflix. Um, right. but, uh, and, uh, the act as well is not available on, I don't, it's a uh, Hulu original. Hulu, so it's, it's definitely a, yeah, it's not original available there. on Netflix. Uh, and the Umbrella Academy, I've seen it in my feed and I'm not, I'm not really into like superheroes or anything like this, but I did right. like kick ass and I did like, I really liked Deadpool actually. Um, so assuming if it's, it's in the same kind of line of anti-hero heroes, uh, that's something I might be, uh, considering watching for sure. Yeah. More, th- more than anything, you just get the feeling as you're scrolling through Netflix at this point. You're just like, man, there's just no way. You spend almost more time looking for something to watch than you do watching this stuff. It's, yeah. Unless you're in the middle of a, sh- a good show, like you're in the middle of a season of a good show, it is just, it, you could just look for hours and not come across. You're like, seen it, seen it. Ah, I probably don't want to see it. Yeah. I always think out loud. I'm like, man, I wish you could just, if you've either seen something or you know you're not going to watch something, if you could just pull it out of your feed 
you know, say I, I'm not interested and then it just drops it out and yeah. then maybe your feed just gets smaller <laughs> over time. I mean, I know that goes against everything Netflix is trying to accomplish, but um, that would be an awesome hack if somebody wanted to do that. Yeah, that's something we talked about when uh, Disney Plus was announced, but I, I consider dropping my Netflix subscription because I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting less and less out of it. I'm getting more and more frustrated with it. And uh, and try something new, or maybe Hulu really should be another alternative that I should look into until uh, Disney Plus launches uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, Hulu's got some got some great originals. Uh, obviously, the act I just talked about, but also uh, The Handmaiden is a really good, really good show. That's one that's out of season right now. I think they're about to come back with that season with the new season of that. But uh, the first couple of seasons I've seen of that have been really, really good. So. Um, I trust them, I guess is what I'm saying with their, uh, their exclusive stuff. That's been pretty good so far. You meant, I will say, you meant hands made tales, right? Hands made yes. tales. Okay. Yes. Wait, wait. I, are we sure it's that? I think you said the hands made or something. Hands men. The hand, or I think I said the handmaiden. Oh, uh, yeah. Hands made tale. The handmaid's tale. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Okay. So, uh, anyways, but, and here's something interesting about Hulu, and I'm running into it with the act. They don't, at least on the shows I've watched, they don't throw everything out at once like Netflix does. You know, like Netflix will release a show at 1 a.m. Friday morning and you could watch every episode if you want. Yeah. But Hulu is doing this thing where it's like every Tuesday they release a new episode, which is weird, right? It's a streaming service. So you would think they would want you to binge, but they also want you coming back. Um, so they have been releasing one episode a uh, a week. And they do that with hands, the Hands Made Tale as well. They, do they do this with all their shows or just a few select ones? Uh, well, the ones I've watched from them, they've done it. Okay. Because it's interesting you mentioned, I, I wasn't aware of this. And that's a thought that I had this weekend as I watched like four or five episodes in a row of Lunatics. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I, I'm afraid of getting tired of this show because I'm just binge watching it. And then by the time the season is over, I'll be like, oh, I'm glad it's over because I'm, I'm tired of it. And I, I was thinking that I missed the times, the days where I had cable TV, where I had to wait for the show to come the following week. You know, like you had to wait. You watched it on a Monday night and you had to wait until next Monday to see the other show. You could record it. Of course, you didn't have to watch it live. You could TiVo it or something. But I, I, I miss this. And Netflix... Really, Netflix is really rubbing me the the wrong way these days. Like, I feel like the content is they're going like quantity over quality, and they're just like dumping this on you. And it's like, okay, just just watch this, just watch this, and come back. And without putting any consideration into it, I feel like that's my really my feeling. You might see otherwise, and that's really getting slides sli- starting to to get to me. Um, we're to a point where I wouldn't be surprised if by next week when we record this show, I'll be like, nope, I dropped Netflix. I'm on Hulu now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of tired of this. This binge watching, like just low quality or like medium quality shows. Um, yeah, I think I'm in need of something new here, Cody. Yeah, I'm in, uh, I mean, I, I agree with you for the most part here. It's uh, Netflix, especially, it definitely seems like there's not that much heart or soul in the things they're making. I mean, that's a no. cliche, cliche thing to say, but to just the effort doesn't seem there. And I've watched multiple of their movies, right? They do uh, movies and they'll get big name actors. And I feel like I've watched two or three of these over the past month. 
and they have all just been not great. You know, like you said, they just kind of keep that level of interesting and entertaining where you'll finish it, but it's just you finish it and you're like, that was such a waste of time. That was not a great ending. The storyline just never pinned out. It was just so I get it. I get that they it feels like they're just going quantity over quality. And uh, I agree. I, I like the waiting for the episode. Like if Game of Thrones right now, this final season, if it was all available at once, I'd be bummed. I'd already be done with it. Yeah. But now you get the chance to wait every week. And by the way, I don't know how you're avoiding spoilers. I was just like an hour late to last night's huge episode and I couldn't get on Twitter or Instagram because literally I opened Twitter on accident one time, just like muscle memory. I just tapped it. And I went, uh oh, <laughs> like Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. And the whole feed, I was like, ugh. So I don't know how you're avoiding spoilers here. I don't go to Twitter much. Okay. <laughs> I go into I go into my curated you know, I don't go into my feed on Twitter. I just go into my curated lists. lists and okay, there there's go. there's only one actually that that sometimes have it's The Verge that has yeah. spoilers. And The Verge, I don't even see it on Twitter, I see it on my RSS feed. I follow I guess I follow the version on Twitter, but the way I see their stuff is in my RSS feed. I don't really see that stuff on Twitter. So, and every week or pretty much every day, I feel like they have some stuff about Game of Thrones. And as soon as my eye sees the Game of Thrones or Daenerys or something in the title, I'm like, just, just you know, get your eye out of this and move on because that might be a spoiler. But you know what? I, my brain is so bad and I have such bad memory that you can tell me today that <laughs> Jon Snow dies in the hands of his sister in the second episode that I might actually forget by the time I watch it, you know, in next week or in, in, in a month. So it's not, it's not, it wouldn't be much of a spoiler to me anyway. Yeah. Okay. That's fair, I guess. Bad memory. And <laughs> Still, don't tell me. A highly yeah, highly curated Twitter and bad memory <laughs> equals no spoilers. I like it. All right, friend. Yeah, I think that should do it, huh? Yes, yes. I want to once again thank Luna Display for their support. Visit lunadisplay.com. Uh, use promo code TALK at checkout to get 10% off your Luna Display order. And I want to thank you, Cody. I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, we will uh, talk again next week. Yeah, thank you for giving me what might be one of the best episodes of 2019. I agree. <laughs> All right, I'll be here next week. Bye-bye.